This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly sunny today, high near 68. Mostly clear tonight, low around 44. Thursday, mostly sunny, high near 68. On Tuesday, New York State Police at Endwell responded to a crash involving a pedestrian and a vehicle at the intersection of Country Club Road and Hooper Road in the town of Union. A 70-year-old female was crossing the road when she was struck by Jeep Grand Cherokee. The pedestrian was transported by ambulance to Wilson Hospital in critical condition. The operator of the SUV is a 76-year-old female. The Troop C Collision Reconstruction Unit responded to the scene to assist with the investigation, which is ongoing. Construction crews are putting the finishing touches on a project designed to address some traffic issues that occur at the main entrance to the Wegman store in Johnson City. An additional left turn lane is a key part of the upgrade work at Harriel Drive, just west of the Route 201 Reynolds Road intersection. Mayor Martin Meany said last April that the single left turn lane into Wegmans backs up during peak traffic periods, resulting in gridlock near the intersection just north of the Route 17 exit. The mayor told WNBF News the goal would be to reduce problems caused by congestion as people head to Wegmans and to the Oakdale Commons. Traffic volume has increased on Harriel Drive in recent weeks with the opening of Dick's Sporting Goods House of Sport along with Chipotle Mexican Grill and Panera Bread restaurants at the regional shopping center. On September 20th, members of the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force executed a search warrant at 58 Evans Street, second floor in the city of Binghamton. As a result of the search warrant, investigators located a 22 WMR Caltech brand handgun and ammunition. Zeta Rickman was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be processed on one count of criminal possession of a weapon second degree and two counts of criminal possession of a weapon third degree. Delaware County Acting District Attorney Sean Smith announced that Courtney Baker of Sydney appeared at Delaware County Court on September 25th and was sentenced for aggravated vehicular assault. Baker appeared before the Delaware County Court judge for sentencing. The defendant had previously pleaded guilty to aggravated vehicular assault, a Class C felony, and aggravated driving while intoxicated. Those charges arose from her crash in February of this year in the village of Sydney, where she nearly killed a pedestrian walking home from school. Baker was sentenced to a term of state prison, having a minimum of four years and a maximum of 12 years for her conviction of aggravated vehicular assault. The judge also sentenced the defendant to serve concurrent one-year sentence for her conviction of aggravated DWI. The operators of two downtown Binghamton businesses have announced plans to open a new restaurant in a building that was once home to a department store. Philip and Elise Willerton operate a bar called 205 Dry in an art studio called Uncourt Creations on State Street. The next project for the husband and wife duo will be establishing another restaurant. It will be known as Piotr Roja, which means Red Door in Spanish. 
The eatery will be located in the basement of the eight-story building at the corner of Court and State Streets. The building owners said the lease for the planned restaurant was finalized several weeks ago. Plans for the new restaurant were announced in a news release distributed yesterday by Binghamton's mayor office. According to the brief statement, the restaurant interior design will showcase luxury surroundings with comfortable table and bar seating, cozy private spaces with extraordinary attention to detail. In Broome County Court, after a four-day trial, a Broome County jury found Justin Knapp of Lyle guilty of felony criminal possession of a firearm and tampering with physical evidence. On January 14th of this year, Knapp did possess an illegal 22 caliber pistol. New York State Police investigating an incident in the town of Lyle attempted to stop a vehicle in which Knapp was a passenger in Newark Valley. The vehicle did not stop, and after a pursuit, the car crashed in the area of Whiting Hill and Kilowog Hill Roads in Lyle. When the vehicle came to a stop, Knapp was observed tossing something out the window. With the help of a canine, troopers recovered the pistol later that day. Knapp, who has a lengthy criminal history, including felony convictions for robbery in the third degree, grand larceny in the fourth degree, and attempting criminal possession of a controlled substance third degree, faces two to four years and up to 15 years to life in New York State Prison. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Joseph, this is Binghamton Now. Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. Welcome to our program. And the phone lines are open for you at 607-772-1290. What is on your mind today as we wrap up September? Have you encountered any surprises yet? Or are you still waiting for a September surprise? We have a few days left to be surprised. These days, nothing really would surprise me. So, your thoughts about the month so far and a look ahead to October, which I think is going to be even more eventful than September has been. Let's hit the phones. Begin at 9-11. Good morning. This is WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, hi, my name is Ron. I'm calling from the west side of our fair city. I was just on the west side of the fair city. Was that you? It was me, the one, the only one who was actually adhering to the speed limit. That's how you can tell yep. me. Well, everybody else is racing around the Recreation Park Speedway. There's one guy 
driving a Bobmobile who is adhering to the 25-mile-an-hour posted speed limit. You know, that reminds me, this is not what I called, but since you brought up speed limit, I was thinking of uh, our judge who was um, going down 17 or 86, as you would have it. You know who I'm talking about, of course. And and I, I was wondering, I think maybe she deserves a moniker, a, a phrase. You know, you, you mentioned the judge going a uh, certain speed and so on. Maybe you can refer to her in the future. I like it as 119 Janine. I like it. Imagine if yeah. she played for the Yankees and her her uniform be? number would be 119. She'd be the only One. Yankee player wearing the uh, triple-digit um, uniform number, and that would be approved by the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I can see that we're starting off uh, the calls this day with something very serious, which is nice. Uh, I had a thought, Bob. And I heard that the uh, the state is going now to open up um, more eligible to more eligible candidates uh, for state troopers, and I I just was wondering uh, one of the things that will be allowed are tattoos if they are covered up and. Uh, so it made me think, okay, you're, you're applying to be a state trooper and you meet the height, weight, age, um, eligibility qualifications and you qualify in every way. But will there be anything per se about the content of the tattoo? I mean, if you have a tattoo on your forearm that says mom, or your football team or the American flag, well, you know, that that sounds reasonable. But how about if you have something like political or, or you have, you know, Mick Jagger's tongue, you know, that icon of uh, well, Mick Jagger's tongue? That would be fine. Would it? How about now we how about if you kind of stray into the area of something risque, uh, Oh, you're talking um, about like a Mansonian tattoo, the one that... Uh, yeah, yeah, Mansonian. Yeah. You know, or a teardrop. How about if you have a teardrop coming down from your eye? That could be problematic. I, the, yeah. the thing, when when you start going down this road, some would say it's a slippery slope because, I mean, whether it's tattoos, um, piercings. What What is the uh, state police rule... Regarding body piercings, you can have piercings, I suppose, if they can't be seen. But what if they can't? Be? I don't know. I, you know, these are questions. These are questions that try men's soul. Uh, no, excuse me. These are questions that try the souls of people. Don't want to be. Oh yeah. Have to be inclusive. Now, and here's something I hadn't thought of until it was announced that that uh, tattoos would be allowed if covered up. Do state troopers wear short sleeve shirts in the summer? I don't even know if they do or not. Did you, you know? Um, I mean. Well, hold on. Now, now you got me wondering because I think they do. I mean, yeah. that's, it, you would think that would be a simple question uh, for me to 
Actually, I, now I see they do. And, uh, wait, hold on. Do they? I believe they do. Now, how how could I have been covering law enforcement issues? Hold on a second. But now I'm looking for pictures. Oh, yes, they do. Okay, uh-huh. thank you. Yeah, I had to. You know, isn't it funny? Such a simple question. Such a simple question about short sleeve, and you momentarily boggled my mind, and my mind isn't easy to boggle. Uh, yes, I know. Here, actually, um, one of the, based on a quick search, the uh, one of the images that uh, pops up from the Google search engine actually shows tattoo policy, and the photo... I'm going to click onto the website in a moment because I trust the website because it's New York State Police. But tattoo policy slash join the state police, and it shows um, a trooper wearing a short sleeve uniform shirt with the requisite New York State Police patch. But uh, you can see, you can't see. I'm going to say his face, but I don't want to misgender. Uh, we can say, see the person portraying a trooper, um, just below the neck and then with the person's arm outstretched. And apparently this is to illustrate the tattoo policy. So you could have, apparently you could have a tattoo above that mark around your elbow. I suppose, unless you, had a tattoo, say, on the lower part of your arm, mm-hmm. and you wanted to wear a long-sleeve uniform shirt even when it's 99 degrees in August. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. here, here it is. Now I've got, I actually punched up the page. Tattoo policy. And they show an arm with someone getting ink. So they're, they're trying to, they're trying to really mm-hmm. reach out to people, and it has mm-hmm. all the details. First of all, an mm-hmm. overview. Oh my gosh! Okay, uh, your your questions are answered here. Huh. Um, actually, my questions are answered. I love it. And, and okay, I have- here here let me let me point out the some of the key things here. The latest information from the New York State Police: tattoos, brands. I hadn't even thought about brands. Tattoos, brands. Body piercings and other body art shall not be visible while a member is in uniform or other business attire. With the exception of a single band tattoo, no more than three-eighths of an inch in width on one finger. Tattoos on the chest, back, or arms must be covered by wearing a properly fitted uniform shirt or business attire with no portion of the tattoo showing. Wow. Oh, here, this answers the thing about uh, the summer uniform. If... Any portion of the tattoo brand and or body art is visible when wearing the short sleeve summer uniform. The member must wear the long sleeve uniform shirt with a tie. So they've already addressed that. Uh, tattoos on any portion of the head. Well, there that addresses your man's. Mansonian tattoos. Tattoos on any portion of the head, neck, or facial area are prohibited and cannot be concealed using cosmetics or any other product. Tattoos, brands, and or body art that are unprofessional. Now, who's going to judge that? Unprofessional or offensive are prohibited. Again, 
What's offensive, what's offensive to you might be just perfectly fine to me. Examples shall include, but are not limited to, depictions of violence or criminal activity. I'd say that's understandable. Sexually explicit, vulgar art, words of profane language. Guess that's to be expected. Symbols likely to incite a strong negative reaction in any group, i.e. swastikas, etc. Also, initial symbolism or acronyms, acronyms that represent criminal or historically oppressive organizations or activities, i.e. AB, KKK, SS, street gang names, numbers, and or symbols. Oh, listen to this. I mean, they've covered it all. Ultraviolet tattoos. Any tattoo visible or apparent only with the use of ultraviolet light must still adhere to the requirements set out above. So if you think you're trying to be cute with an ultraviolet tattoo that says, I love Pennsylvania, that can only be seen when somebody shines a UV light on it. You're not getting away with that, sir. Brands. Brands and other body art are subject to the same requirements, limitations, and prohibitions applicable to tattoos. And finally, thankfully, body piercings and or body art. Body piercings and or body art shall not be visible while a member is in uniform or other business attire. Then they have, like, further. I mean, complete. Oh, my gosh. I could spend the entire program. Already feels like we did. We've spent nearly ten minutes on this, but it's still interesting. It, and I, I certainly encourage. I, I endorse this uh, section of the internet where the New York State Police goes into explicit detail about their tattoo policy. And Bob, may I uh, close my call with a trivia question to you? Yes, you may. Uh, do you, Do you remember the TV show Fantasy Island? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Z plane, Z plane. You know what his name was? That little guy. Yeah, I know, but you're not going to get me to say it. I know. You're not going to. You're not going to trick me. Well, I'm just wondering if he's mentioned in the New York State Trooper policy. They're covering everything. <laughs> probably, probably. Who knows? They might have a, a completely separate. Website just addressing him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think we've gotten the program off to uh, stellar start. I, I have I to admit, so. we now you and me and now thousands of other people around the tri-state area know more about the New York State Police Trooper or New York State Police Tattoo Policy than probably the governor does. Certainly, I doubt she knows anything about this. And my guess is even most members of the state police weren't aware of all the regulations that govern tattoos and brands and body piercings. So I think, I think we actually have managed to perform a wonderful public service. And one, one tattoo that cannot be on is a tattoo that says 119 Janine. <laughs> Thanks. Although they will allow, they will allow this, and this is uh, certainly, I think, just uh, one unique exception. They can allow, listen to 
Binghamton Now on News Radio WNBF. That that is allowed on the member's left hand or the or the forehead, <laughs> as long as it's tasteful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, 9.24 at WNBF. No other show in America would dare to go where we go. 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph, live on a Wednesday morning, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. It's 927 WNBF. The following live segment has been paid for by KSO Insurance Solutions. Good morning, Karen Sweet O'Neill. Good morning, Bob Joseph. How are you? Super. Super duper. You're loving life, man. <laughs> that was quite a segment. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Nobody else anywhere, not just in America, anywhere else on the planet is going to do a show with 10 minutes on that topic today or any day. So even the state police, you know, I can picture, we just had the um, uh, state police troop C commander, the major, the one who's in charge of um, troop C, which is based in Sydney, it covers several counties here in the southern mm-hmm. tier. Uh, Major Jeffrey Van Auken was in the studio just a few days ago. And my guess is, and I wouldn't be surprised, actually, that he's listening. He might be tuned in as he uh, drives into Troop C headquarters in Sydney. And even he is saying, wow, wow, now I know everything <laughs> about state police tattoos. Now, uh, coming up Friday on WNBF, we will for the first time ever, expose, literally and figuratively, the WNBF tattoo policy. Oh, I didn't know you had one. Nope. Um, Mary we Beth, have Mar- one now. You know, Mary Beth is listening. She's saying, like, <laughs> okay, so Bob is giving me 36 hours to come up with our policy because he's going to talk about it on Friday. Okay. Right? <laughs> She's probably saying, Bob, I've got other things I need to do, but... I, my guess is her policy would uh, it would just pertain to me. Bob Joseph tattoo policy. No. Quite. <laughs> Quite simple. Quite possible. Yeah. Not, not nearly as complicated or comprehensive as the state police tattoo policy. Anyway, what uh, can we expect when you join us around this time tomorrow morning? Well, actually, today is Wednesday. So. Oh, right? wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hold, wait, hold on. Hold, Work with me, wait. Bob. No. <laughs> right. hang, hang on here. Wait. So, But I certainly can join you again tomorrow because, yeah, you're right. I didn't join you yesterday. Yeah. So maybe well, I will. But well, we'll so you're not, you're not disappointed that I didn't play. Let me just play just the beginning of your usual Wednesday morning. I'm not going to play the whole thing because. Why my, not? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, but give me a countdown. You have to make it professional. Give me a three count. Three, two, one. Providing you with the best solutions of your lifetime. The KSO Insurance Weekly Spotlight with Karen Sweet O'Neill on News Radio 1290 WNBF. 
there. <laughs> there you go. Now that's it's official. more like it. I'm say, now <laughs> everybody in the tri-state area knows to stand by for mm-hmm. news. That's right. All that's right. right. So what are we going to talk about? A couple things today. We're going to talk about some essential documents that retirees should have in order or pre-retirees should have in order. And, you know, it's interesting, Bob, because where there's so many different documents that we collect over the years, whether it's paper documents or digital files or a combination of both, and staying organized with those documents is a real easy way to avoid wasting money before you retire and after you retire. For example, how about life insurance policies? Well, you know what? They can't be paid out to your dependents when you pass away if they don't know where they are or what company they're with or how to access them. So you make sure that you tell your family or anyone who may receive a payout where they can find those documents and who they need to contact, you know, in the event of your of your death. Also, power of attorney, very, very important. It's a great way to make your wishes known so you can have legal documents on what to do next if you can no longer make decisions. And, you know, unfortunately, Bob, a lot of times people don't think about power of attorneys until there's an issue. And it's really important to make that part of your planning in retirement because if you start to have cognitive issues, power of attorney documentation is somewhat uh, problematic um, because of different choices that you may make or, you know, the fact that you may not be making the choices that the rest of the family thinks you should, that kind of thing. So make them when you're cognizant of, you know, everything that you want in the event that you can't, even for an illness or an accident, that you can't do and pay your bills, that POA can do it for you. So, and what about medical decisions? You want to make sure that you have in place your directive on who and uh, when that person is um, available to make certain medical decisions for you. And, you know, what's really important, too, is that when you're in a situation and, you know, when people go to the doctor or they go to the hospital, a lot of times, you know, they're going to hand out, they're going to do a health care proxy. But even more important, not more important, but as important, is to make sure you have medical records release authorization forms signed. And why is that important? It's important because if you're taking your mom or your dad to the doctor and let's, you know, let's say that they're, you know, usually maybe sick or they have to have a test done or whatever the case may be, you want them to be allowed to tell you what's going on, what the results are, what you need to do to make make the uh, progression for uh, that to get better, you know, how, what do you have to do, and those sorts of things. And if they're calling your mom or dad, number one, they may not pick up the phone. Number two, they may not get the message. Number three, they may forgot they got the message, or they just really don't compute it because it's hard to figure out when it's about you to ask all the necessary questions. It's much easier to have another ear. And if you have more than one child and you're comfortable letting them know, list them on the medical authorization forms, which leads us to medical. Your Medicare plan, it's got to be documented. You need to tell your family what it is and how much it covers 
you need to know how much you pay for it and all that other important information because how do you know if you have the right plan unless you know what it entails. Most people say, hey, you know what, I have a great plan. Say, well, how was your year? My year was great. I didn't even use it. Well, how do you know then? It's a great plan if you didn't need to use it. So, of course, we're coming up, coming up to annual open enrollment, which is October 15th to December 7th. We are already booking into the first week of October. Um, for consultations, if you're a client, give us a call. They already know that drill, and we'll get you your appointment so we can, you know, let you know if the coverage that you have now is going to be just as good or even better come January 1st, 2024. And if you're not a client, we do accept new clients, but you do need to make your appointment. We are at 1708 Vestal Parkway East, up above Plato's Closet and Style Encore. You can make an appointment several ways. You can simply call us, 607-772-4898. You can Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information will come up, including our website, and you can book an appointment that way. Or if you miss the phone number, simply go to a phone book. We have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. (laughs) All right. Well, I, I think that's important information. It always is important information, and that's what we look forward to every Wednesday right here with Karen Sweet O'Neill. And hmm. allow me to hasten to add, the previous segment has been sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. Oh, that's right. Hey, can I just do a shout-out real quick, too? Yeah. I'd like to say uh, congratulations to Sharon Chesna. She is the executive director of Mothers and Babies, and she is retiring, and she has done a fabulous job. That's a wonderful organization, and they do so much for the community, and she's just worked tirelessly, you know, to make sure everything was done correctly. She has a great staff, and she's going to be missed and hopefully be around for some consult work or whatever she decides to do, but she is uh, she's a wonderful person, and she was certainly a great advocate for the community, and uh, we congratulate Sharon Chesna. And I join you in extending congratulations. The organization just uh, moved in to its new facility on yes. Grand Avenue in Johnson City across from Phyllis, I call it Phillies, across from Philadelphia Sales. Yeah, I was there. I went over and to make sure I knew where it was because we refer some people there. You know, when they're under 65 and they may be able to use their services for insurance. And, of course, they do other things than that. But, yeah, what a big facility. I think they're going to do well over there. And Sharon was, of course, spearheaded that entire move. She wouldn't leave them hanging before she uh, before she decided, okay, I'm going to retire and let's see if she stays retired, Bob. <laughs> I, I have a sense for all the activity that she's been involved in. It's going to be difficult to stay totally retired um, I, I know a lot of people like the that next phase where they are retired from their day-to-day showing up at an office Monday through Friday and then being responsible for other things, too, even in the um, non-business hours. But Which then being able... Her. Yes. Yeah. And then being... But being able then to choose what you want to do while also having a chance to uh, enjoy some of the finer things in life. So we wish her the best in her retirement. Absolutely. 
All right. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. I hope you do, too. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. It's 938. Bob Joseph at your service right here on News Radio WNBF. WNBF at 9.43. This is the Bob Joseph uh, experience, <laughs> or also known as Binghamton now. Welcome to my world, and uh, it's an interesting program that you will hear today. Don't worry, we're just getting started. It's not going to be uh, all tattoos and cherries. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be about the last we hear about tattoos on the program today. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> oh, my goodness. We do have our fun, don't we? Don't worry. The funometer will be pegging into the red in less than 30 minutes. Yeah, stay tuned. You'll... You'll hear what I'm talking about. Congratulations to the Erie Seawolves, the Eastern League champions. They are the champions, my friend. We thought the Rumble Ponies would be the champions, my friend, but they weren't. And uh, so I extend my sincere congratulations to... The Seawolves, they um, defeated the Rumble Ponies decisively last night in the second game of a best-of-three series that was played in Erie. So first, real uh, congratulations to Erie. That, I believe, is the first championship ever for that great city in Pennsylvania. So I think that's good for them to be able to experience that. Feeling similar to what we had nine years ago here in Binghamton when the B-Mets were the league champions, so we've had we've had that pleasure already. And also sincere congratulations and thanks to uh, the Rumble Ponies, the entire organization, top to bottom, from the owner David Sabatka uh, to all the players, uh, other support people. There's a lot of people involved in minor league baseball and. I thank them for giving us um, a nice experience. Uh, Rumble Ponies really turned it on as the season came to an end. So we did wind up with playoff baseball uh, here in Binghamton. A baseball game in downtown Binghamton in fall. Yep, I'll never forget it. And even though they uh, didn't win uh, on Monday night, it still, it still was nice to see... 
uh, baseball that late in the year. And as I pointed out, it's uh, not going to be long now until it's April 5th when the Rumble Ponies will start their 2024 season at home hosting the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. It's only 191 days, so who's counting? We'll be here before you know it. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? This is your good buddy, John, from Binghamton. Oh, thank you. It's nice to have a good buddy in Binghamton. What's on your mind, John? Well, a couple of things. Uh, There was a, a, a meeting of the Republican committee. Uh, I have been a member of that party for, uh, uh, well, 50 years, and uh, I couldn't come in. Uh, You know, uh, it's interesting. Why weren't you allowed to come in? I could see if they didn't want me in, because I'm a member of no political party, so I'm basically a man without a country when it comes to political parties. But if you've been a member of the grand old party for half a century, you would think they would uh, welcome you almost as an elder statesman. Uh, Well, uh, no elder statesman need apply. Uh, You have uh, a 21-year-old guy running it, uh, comes in from Albany. Uh, He's learned his trade from B. Joy Dada, another young man that headed the party. Uh, I'm not a committee person, but that wouldn't enter into it in my mind. You would still want to be there to observe. You couldn't vote, but you could be there, uh, especially if you want to create a big tent. Uh, they expelled Linda Jackson, uh, one of the winners, uh, a, a woman that won uh, a hard battle on the Republican line in the village of Endicott, sitting public office holder. They asked her to leave. Uh, and and a committee person. So uh, uh, no wonder the number of committee people has gone down, and it's gone down quite a bit, uh, because this Republican closed circuit. Uh, oh, and you mentioned elder statesman. That would be Paul Van Savage. You know, I nominate. I, you know, that's he's So the he's guy. still allowed in? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, so, it's, uh, I would think that they would welcome you. I mean, you are one of the highest profile Republicans in the county, a non-office holder to be sure, but I would say in terms of name recognition, John from Binghamton is uh, likely to be known by more Broome County residents than 99% of other Republicans. Uh, yeah, I would say that's correct, but these are the not, uh, the never-Trumpers. Uh, that's that's what they are. These are the people that thought Ted Cruz was going to win, even though it was clear that he wasn't. Uh, you know, these are the Roveites. These are the Paul Ryan people. Uh, these people are not conservative. They're not Make America Great Again people. Uh, they are uh, their own uh, clique of small time. Bandits, and uh, they are very, very young, and they don't know crap from Crayola. So, what is, in your view, what is the solution for the local Republican Party, or is it 
as Carol King might sing, is it really too late? Well, they've lost the two state office offices. This is under B. Joy Dada. Uh, they have one fella in the um, near the county line, uh, Shenango County guy. Uh, they are not inclusive. Uh, they don't represent any principles but self enrichment, and that's and and they fight their own. I mean, the the minute the minute somebody declares in a primary, uh, th- they don't want them. And in fact, they would rather leave uh, an office unopposed than have some citizen, some grassroots. And this has happened, geez, half a dozen times where they're not going to run anybody anyway. They're going to cede to uh, Donna Lopardo's wishes. And somebody will come and say, well, I'll run. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, no, no, we're going to challenge your positions or we're going to put somebody else in there. Uh, this is this is the problem. I mean, Libis, uh, God bless his heart, God rest his soul, uh, gave these people an opportunity. And then they had the gall to exclude his son. They went on the warpath of uh, uh, one of the heirs to Libus's at least uh, uh, goodwill. Yeah, I often uh, wondered about that. What would um, what would uh, Tom Libus think about what's transpired since well, his death? Well, I, I think he would. Uh, you know, his son Nick endeared me with one term, one gag line that you know Libus had a good sense of humor, and I ran into. Uh, him after he filed his position petitions and he put i put the camera on him i asked him a question and he looked he says why don't you wait till i get somewhere before (laughs) (laughs) see you know and and look senator libis had i think that yes he didn't like some of the many questions i may have posed especially when he he was sometimes under the harsh spotlight of uh, scrutiny, and yet, you know what? He never canceled out on this program. He never, ever canceled, even even when he could have. And maybe some people would have said he should have. If he had an, uh, an appointment to be on this program and the headlines of the day were bad, he wanted to come on, and he knew. I mean, there was uh, a particular time where he knew he was going to be probably... Um, I wouldn't say interrogated, but it was uh, it was a conversation that for almost 30 minutes focused on the news of the day. And that's those weren't the questions he would have wanted. But you know what? He participated. I always gave him so much credit for that. It's Bob Joseph live on a Wednesday morning on WNBF. Frank. Fifty-five. One station big enough and bold enough to go where even the state police seldom go. The official tattoo policy. You heard it here. You'll never forget where you were when you heard it. Tattoos, branding, body art. We address the issues. Mostly sunny today, 68. Mainly clear tonight, 44. Mostly sunny tomorrow, 68. Right now it's... 
47 here in downtown Binghamton at News Radio WNBF. Air quality is delightful. AQI air quality index now is 43. Go out and breathe that fresh air. Bob Joseph Live, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly sunny today, high near 68. Mostly clear tonight, low around 44. Thursday, mostly sunny, high near 68. On Tuesday, New York State Police at Endwell responded to a crash involving a pedestrian and a vehicle at the intersection of Country Club Road and Hooper Road in the town of Union. A 70-year-old female was crossing the road when she was struck by Jeep Grand Cherokee. The pedestrian was transported by ambulance to Wilson Hospital in critical condition. The operator of the SUV is a 76-year-old female. The Troop C Collision Reconstruction Unit responded to the scene to assist with the investigation, which is ongoing. Construction crews are putting the finishing touches on a project designed to address some traffic issues that occur at the main entrance to the Wegman store in Johnson City. An additional left turn lane is a key part of the upgrade work at Harriel Drive, just west of the two, Route 201 Reynolds Road intersection. Mayor Martin Meany said last April that the single left turn lane into Wegmans backs up during peak traffic periods, resulting in gridlock near the intersection just north of the Route 17 exit. The mayor told WNBF News the goal would be to reduce problems caused by congestion as people head to Wegmans and to the Oakdale Commons. Traffic volume has increased on Harriel Drive in recent weeks with the opening of Dick's Sporting Goods House of Sport along with Chipotle Mexican Grill and Panera Bread restaurants at the regional shopping center. On September 20th, members of the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force executed a search warrant at 58 Evans Street, second floor in the city of Binghamton. As a result of the search warrant, investigators located a 22 WMR Caltech brand handgun and ammunition. Zeta Rickman was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be processed on one count of criminal possession of a weapon second degree and two counts of criminal possession of a weapon third degree. Delaware County Acting District Attorney Sean Smith announced that Courtney Baker of Sydney appeared at Delaware County Court on September 25th and was sentenced for aggravated vehicular assault. Baker appeared before the Delaware County Court judge for sentencing. The defendant had previously pleaded guilty to aggravated vehicular assault, a Class C felony, and aggravated driving while intoxicated. Those charges arose from her crash in February of this year in the village of Sydney, where she nearly killed a pedestrian walking home from school. Baker was sentenced to a term of state prison, having a minimum of four years and a maximum of 12 years for her conviction of aggravated vehicular assault. The judge also sentenced the defendant to serve concurrent one-year sentence for her conviction of aggravated DWI. 
The operators of two downtown Binghamton businesses have announced plans to open a new restaurant in a building that was once home to a department store. Philip and Elise Willerton operate a bar called 205 Dry in an art studio called Uncourt Creations on State Street. The next project for the husband and wife duo will be establishing another restaurant. It will be known as Piorta Roja, which means Red Door in Spanish. The eatery will be located in the basement of the eight-story building at the corner of Court and State Streets. The building owner said the lease for the planned restaurant was finalized several weeks ago. Plans for the new restaurant were announced in a news release distributed yesterday by Binghamton's mayor office. According to the brief statement, the restaurant interior design will showcase luxury surroundings with comfortable table and bar seating, cozy private spaces with extraordinary attention to detail. In Broome County Court, after a four-day trial, a Broome County jury found Justin Knapp of Lyle guilty of felony criminal possession of a firearm and tampering with physical evidence. On January 14th of this year, Knapp did possess an illegal 22 caliber pistol. New York State Police investigating an incident in the town of Lyle attempted to stop a vehicle in which Knapp was a passenger in Newark Valley. The vehicle did not stop, and after a pursuit, the car crashed in the area of Whiting Hill and Kilowog Hill Roads in Lyle. When the vehicle came to a stop, Knapp was observed tossing something out the window. With the help of a canine, troopers recovered the pistol later that day. Knapp, who has a lengthy criminal history, including felony convictions for robbery in the third degree, grand larceny in the fourth degree, and attempting criminal possession of a controlled substance third degree, faces two to four years and up to 15 years to life in New York State Prison. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Radio WNBF. This is Bob Joseph on a Wednesday morning, 92.1 FM, 12:90 AM, and always available on the WNBF app. Tonight at 5, 5 30, 6, 10, and 11. And then the news after midnight on News Plus <laughs> for a nominal fee. Joining us in the studio is Scott Sassina. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being here. This has been something I think we've wanted to do for a long time, and it finally. Has happened. I love it. Yeah, finally. I love the studio. It's cozy. It's nice. Uh, it's cool to kind of see the whole production behind everything. And it's interesting because it's totally different from a TV news operation oh, yeah, and, and a TV yeah. set. It, and I think that's one thing. If people haven't either been to a radio studio or to uh, a news set for a TV station, you you might really be surprised oh, because yeah. what what you imagine, say, for the Binghamton Now studio or what you might imagine for the 12 news set in Johnson City, you know, in person, they're interesting, 
but but occasionally not as impressive as you might imagine as, sure, as no, it shows yeah. up on your HD TV. Yeah, everybody has their like own image and an idea in their head of like you know what it's looking like and stuff like that. And then when they get to see it for the first time, it's not all uh, they think it is sometimes, or it's more. So, yeah, well, yeah. and that's the thing. It's it's. I, I think no matter what aspect of broadcasting, whether it's TV or radio, there's still an element of magic, even though yeah. now you know, people are able to essentially stream their own newscast anywhere, anytime. And so it's not quite as, from a technology standpoint, not quite as uh, mysterious, but still to see, oh, so that's where they do the news. Yeah. So anyway, uh, a lot to talk about this morning. First... Let's uh, begin at the beginning. You grew up in Broome County. You yeah. are a local person. That's right. Uh, I grew up in Endicott, or Endicott, excuse me, if you're from the area there. But, uh, yeah, I grew up there. Um, went to UE, graduated 2010, went to SUNY Broome after that, then Oswego, and came back, worked in the area that I know and love. And here I am. And at what point did you think, hmm, news is something that interests me? So, little, yeah, that... that it was a little bit of a journey. When I went to SUNY Broome, I, uh, I originally went there for uh, civil engineering. And then after a year of it, I was like, ah, oh, this is a lot of math. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this is for me. <laughs> so I took some liberal arts classes after that and took a uh, TV production class that they still have there. And I started doing some stuff with that. I was like, this is pretty cool. Being able to use the camera and, you know, the teleprompter and stuff and kind of fell in love with it after that. And so... Tell me, going from there and getting your first job in TV, uh, what path did you take? Was, yeah. was it relatively simple? For the most part, um, one of the professors there, Chris Keedy, uh, he was working at Fox 40 as a director at the time, and he told me about a, an opening for a PA or a production assistant. This is somebody who works behind the scenes, going out uh, to either get stories behind the camera or they run the audio board. So I, I, he, you know, kind of opened it to the class, not just me, and was like, you know, whoever wants to apply. So um, I, I was like, well, that'd be a pretty sweet way to get a foot in the door. So I, I applied for it and did the full interview with Larry Sperano was there and um, Mick Dwyer, you know, all these guys, they were in on the interview talking with me, asking me some questions, and I'm sweating bullets, you know, and 21-year-old kid just kind of like, oh, man, the, you know, these are the people you see on the nightly news all the time. But um, it worked out in the end. They offered me the position. I, I got it, started working the audio board, and I did that um, from 2012 until 2014, all while still going to SUNY Broome, and then also uh, I, you know, transferred to Oswego in 2013 after I got my associates. So, um Doing that, you know, part time, going out, and uh, while I was at Fox Forty, I kind of expressed an interest of doing some on air stuff, and I talked to Sue, Sue Newbauer, the news director who's still there, and said, you know, I'm kind of interested in maybe doing some stand ups and reporting, and she said, all right, let's put you on the weekend. I was like, all right, works for me, and started doing that, and kind of, you know, just took off from there. And you started at Fox 40 almost yes. exactly 11 years ago. Yeah, you pointed out the, that to me this morning. I didn't even think about it. October 1st, 2012 was my very first day. So 11 years ago. So at this point, I probably was getting ready for the interview 11 years ago. I already had it. I, I you know, can't remember. But, um, yeah, so 11 years ago, I started at Fox 40 as a PA, just behind the scenes and stuff. So you started to learn the ropes of um, of a real TV news operation on the Vestal Parkway. Yep. And after a while, you wound up being hired by 
Channel 12, yeah. WBNG. Had they switched from Action News? Had they rebranded no, to they, 12 News? they were still Action News. That's what I thought. So, yeah, so I was at Oswego, and I made some friends. You know, because when you're reporting, it's, um, you make friends, uh, you know, across different stations and stuff like that. And uh, Perry Russum was the reporter at uh, WBNG, uh, the weekend anchor reporter. So I, you know, ran into him on to a bunch of stories and stuff. And every time we saw each other at stories, you know, start talking and, you know, eventually became, you know, really good friends and stuff and he tipped me off that hey you know candace is interested in talking with you there's a videographer position at wbng and in my mind i'm like candace chapman wants to talk to me she what like so you know i i remember where i was it was at uh at oswego in Fennell Hall, the first floor, and I got a phone call on it. You know, the caller ID pops up, Candace Chapman. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, you know, answer it. We talk on the phone. She asked me to come in for an interview, and, you know, I, I went in and talked with her and got to see the whole production there and meet everybody and see everyone. You know, Greg Greg Catlin, Howard was there. Uh, Haley Burton, when she was anchoring, was there, too. It's just being, being able to see the people you kind of grew up watching is was surreal. Um, and then you got the position, and... Uh, the rest is history, as they say. And before long, you actually started to have uh, anchoring opportunities there. Yeah. And ultimately, you wound up anchoring the evening news, which is um, it's quite a feat. Sure. Or even in a market like Binghamton, and as you pointed out, and I identify uh, with a lot of what you mentioned because I grew up here in Endicott and Endwell, and for me, my We'll say my heroes on TV included Bernie Fianti and uh, Bob Buchanan, Bob, yeah. Phil Jacobs, and uh, on radio Bill Parker, and then ultimately, you know, having the chance to to work side by side with these people was just. It was fantastic. Yeah. It's very difficult to put into words what it means. It, it, it's such a weird feeling where it's like we – and I've had people, you know, still – and I'm sure you have the same thing. You know, they come up to you and say hi, take a picture with you. Yada, yada. And it's it's one of those things where you put them on a pedestal and it's like they're, you know, on TV. My gosh, they're, they're the voice of this radio station. And then you meet them and they're just normal normal person. You're just like you and me type of a thing. And um, that's how I've always tried to – when I was anchoring to be authentic like that, like you said, like when I first got my anchoring opportunities, the very beginning, um, back in like 2015, where Candace was, you know, having me fill in on the, the news or the the noon show, and um, I, you know, wanted to be taken professional because who doesn't when they're just starting off? So you know, put on my news voice. Welcome to 12 News at you know. But then after a while, I start to realize you know people don't want to hear who I think they want to hear. They just want to hear me. They want to hear the authentic Scott Cecina. And things to that end in the business, whether it's TV or radio, have changed a lot. Sure. I mean, say in the 60s and 70s when I was growing up, almost everybody had that very authoritative voice. Yep. I always said that Bernie Fianti was effectively the Walter Cronkite of Binghamton. Wow, he had right. that, that sort of, um, he, he had a high level of trust and he was... He was always, indeed, very authoritative, even on routine days. And, and then even here, when he made the transition to WNBF radio, he still always carried about that that air of um, professionalism and sort of uh, a formality that isn't as needed in the industry. I think things have, have definitely loosened up. And and also, as as 
listeners and viewers would note, to a large extent, the the people who are on air now on TV and radio, it's a it's a more diverse group. Now, I'll admit, I'll be the first to point out before somebody else points it out for me. It's like, well, tell me about the diversification of WNBF. It sounds to me like you've got uh, a lot of uh, older white men who are presenters and. Yes, that, that's the truth. We also don't have a lot of on-air positions at this point. But look at most other media, especially TV stations. We have uh, far greater diversity than existed, say, 15 or 20 years ago. Absolutely. I mean, and it's kind of really cool to be able to see that just like because I feel a lot of more groups feel they're represented and have their voice heard and stuff like that. Um, but and then you get to meet so many different personalities and make these amazing connections. And, um, you know, some somebody might be more um, of an expert on certain topics than someone else. So I think that's the cool part about the diversification is that it may be not what people are used to seeing, but it is helping the industry as a whole, in my opinion. It's really giving uh, more voices and more people an opportunity to be heard and uh it also creates for some great personalities absolutely absolutely we're talking with scott sasina who has been out of the news business for almost exactly two months yes. you you did your final uh, program evening newscast for uh, 12 news in late july do you miss it yes i mean there's no point for me to lie absolutely i miss it it, it was something that i i felt was i was born to do um, I loved every second of that job. And, then, you know, in my goodbye, I said, um, you know, n- not a single day there felt like work because it wasn't to me. I was really, truly, authentically enjoying every second of being there, not just because of what I was doing, but because of the people that I was working with. They make that job. Like, you, as you know, like who, who you work alongside in this business this is a stressful job. Absolutely. And if you can lean on other people that you work alongside, it makes it a lot easier. And you build this trust in these relationships and friendships that go, you know, far beyond just what you're you're doing as a a profession. Um, So, yeah, I miss it. Absolutely. But I do um, know where I am now is better for me and the family in the long run. And that's the that's the goal. You know, I said to my, my goodbye, it's not about me. It's about we. It's about my wife, Katie, and my son, Max. And I understand that um, as difficult as it was and as tough as it was for me to leave WBNG and leave something that I love to do, I know that this move and this transition to BU is going to be better in the long run. And that's right. You're a communications manager yeah. at Binghamton University. So, and I, I'm sure over the first few weeks, that was, uh, as they say, a learning experience when, sure. when you are, uh, thrust into a new environment and with new responsibilities, you're going to, uh, spend a lot of time initially getting acclimated to what your responsibilities are and basically getting to know the lay of the land. Sure. It was like learning a new language. Still is. You know, I'm just trying to, to figure out, you know, how things, right? It's because like what I was telling people in, you know, in, in news and as you, you know, you have a deadline. You know, five five p.m. every single night. Well, no, I think it's four. They have it at, <laughs> at uh, WBNG. But for me, it was you know five p.m. that we're going on no matter what. 
And that was like that hard deadline. Every single day you're going to hit that. And now it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, answer some emails and um, maybe people will get back to me. Maybe I'll have to, you know, follow up a few days from now. I'll get this project done. It, it's a, such a different pace and such a different flow of having to prepare, you know, a magazine. Because that's what I, I work for the um, for the communication and marketing department. Um, and there's multiple communication managers within the department. And each manager is assigned a school. So my school is the pharmacy school. So relatively new. I remember my, my, uh, my talking point with that when I tell people is that when I first started working at WBNG, I did a story and uh, talking about BU announcing the pharmacy school. And now, you know what, 10 years later, it's come full circle that I'm working inside the building that I first talked about and stuff like that. But And that's interesting yeah. to, to look at the transformation. I still call it the Corliss Corridor because oh. that whole swath of Corliss Avenue in Johnson City has been reinvented. If somebody had left Johnson City 15 or 20 years ago and then just popped in, they'd be astonished to see what happened with the pharmacy school, the Decker College of Nursing, the new R&D building that is nearly complete, plus uh, a few other things that are going on. It's just been a tremendous amount of movement in that section as a result of the university. Yeah, no, it's had a huge impact. There's a ton of new uh, shops and businesses down there that I I didn't even know were there. And then, you know, I go on my lunch break because I can just walk, you know, the quarter of a mile from the pharmacy school to to Corliss Ave over there in Main Street and just kind of walk along. And I saw there's some cool coffee shops. There's some new restaurants uh, that uh, 8-Bit Bite, that cool, like, uh, video game spot just opened up i went check that out over there so it's interesting to see just the difference that um the university has had on johnson city as a whole it reminds me a lot of like what uh we is going through right now they have a ton of businesses popping up over there too it's just kind of cool to see uh, a boom like that in johnson city speaking with scott Cecina here on news radio wnbf you touched on your family your wife and your son max yeah. and You've been through a lot over the last several months. That's yeah. To, to put it lightly, yeah, it's this this past year has probably been the most difficult year of my life. Um, so it's coming up for a year where since my wife was first admitted to uh, Syracuse to the hospital, um, she was at Kraus for a month because of uh, complications um, during pregnancy, and then Max was born at twenty five and a half weeks. Um, at one pound nine ounces on Veterans Day, so November 11th. So he's coming up on his one year birthday. Um, and he was in the NICU in Syracuse for three months and then was transferred to Wilson for a month. And he came home in March of this year and he is doing fantastic. Absolutely amazing. He's hitting all of his milestones. He's talking, well, babbling like crazy right now. Um, he, he's living and loving life right now, and I couldn't be more proud of him. And Katie, I mean, she, you know, what she went through, yeah. um, that was, was extremely difficult. Well, I'm sure. looking, I'm looking at the photo you posted of Max from March when, when he finally when he came, came home. home. Yeah. Beautiful. Unbelievable. You know, um, there were so many people who were keeping you and your wife and Max in their their thoughts and prayers. I can't tell you, Bob, how impressed I was with this area and how proud I am to live here because of like. So when I posted that picture, just being like, um, I first made an announcement, as you, if you may remember, being like, I'm taking some time off, and I didn't say why, and that was um, in October. 
um, because of Katie getting admitted to the hospital. And, you know, there were so many unknowns. I didn't know what was happening with her, what was going to happen and all this. I just needed to focus on her and um, be there for her as much as possible. And a, a story that some people know um, that a lot of people do not know is that when that week when Katie was admitted, we were already planning on moving. Everything we were like in the in the midst of moving into her her mom's house, and because we wanted a, a good spot for the baby when when Max was expected to come in February, so Katie gets admitted to the hospital, and you know I don't know what's going on. I, I'm up there with her at Syracuse for for two days, and that Friday, um, I had to to leave her and come back home. Because we were moving, like I, the moving van, van was going to be there. I had friends coming over. You needed to do this, you know. And that drive home, leaving Syracuse and coming here is probably the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. Cried the entire way, the entire drive home from Syracuse. I don't know what's happening with Katie. I don't know what's going to happen with Max, and I can't be there for them. I have to do this. It was heartbreaking to have to leave her. But like I've said. It's all worked out in the end. Max is doing amazing. You know, he's passing all of his milestones, like I said, and stuff like that. But this past year of, you know, what Max had to go through in the hospital, he's such a fighter. And then, you know, having to to leave WBNG, it's just, it's been a lot. It has been a lot, and that's an understatement. But I think I've grown a lot from it and, and learned a lot about myself um, through this last year. Well, we, we go through challenges, and sometimes we... In fact, many times we have no idea how things are going to end. No, yeah. And then ultimately we have to have the, the faith to, to look forward and get through it and, and hope that also we, we learn from these experiences. Yeah. Any chance of going back into uh, the lucrative business of journalism at some point in the future? Uh, I don't know. I, I've thought about it. I think there could be opportunities in the future. Um, right now, I'm really just trying to focus on the job at BU. But the, the cool part about that job is that my bosses, um, Natalie and Greg, have both told me that each communication manager does the job in their own way. They have all their unique strengths of what, you know, Anthony Borelli used to work for the Press and Sun. He's there as a communication manager. And Jim McHale used to work at SUNY Broom. She used to write, you know, for them. She's there as well. So they, everybody does the job in their own unique way. And my strength is really social media and video. And they told me, if you want to do interviews with students, if you want to put together uh, packages, as they're called, you know, stories, being able to do interviews and edit and stuff like that, go for it. There really is no limit on what I can do. So I've really thought about and I've started to do some interviews like that because that is a huge passion of mine. And it's how I know how to really tell stories is in my experience in news is being able to transfer over to this job. So maybe there'll be some freelance stuff. Maybe I'll get into, you know, um, calling basketball games with Roger Neal or something like that. But, like, you know, it's right now I'm just going to focus on this job at BU, do the best I can there. But maybe someday I'll, I'll make an appearance somewhere. Scott Sassina, a pleasure. Uh, thank you for the work you've done for over a decade in journalism. Wishing you the best now at Binghamton University and certainly wish you and your wife and Max, the very best in the coming years. I really appreciate it, Bob. Thank you. Listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. First is 
News Radio WNBF. It's 1034. Bob Joseph, 607-772-1290. That's the number if you'd like to chat. I'd love to hear from you. Forecast looking very, very nice. Mostly sunny today, 68. Mainly clear tonight, 44. Sunny tomorrow, 68. Right now, 49. At News Radio, WNBF. Back to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning there, Bob. It's Dave uh, from Vestal. That's a, that's a good old tune there. Uh, sweet, right? Love is like oxygen? Yes, it is. That's good, uh, good stuff there. Hey, Bob, um, I heard you mention earlier, I was chuckling, the, the Bob Joseph experience. Uh, have you been experienced, Bob? Well, I have. <laughs> yeah. where, 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 where's your guitar, Bob? Get, yeah. get it out, will you? you know, I'll get my guitar out Friday, give people, give people an impromptu concert down at the uh, Parlor City Circle, the PCC, over, over at Court and Exchange. Okay. Okay. Hey, you know what I want to bring up, Bob? See if you notice. I mean, it seems like every time this year, just before winter, Bob, it seems like there's more roads closed, more construction, more. It's like they're trying to fit a lot of stuff in just before winter. Where they've been all summer. Do you notice that, or is it me? Mm, well, I do notice that. Whether whether it's always the end of season scramble. If that's it, it certainly does tend to appear that way when when you get to late September and suddenly you see road projects that need to get done before they shut down the the plants. You know, I mean, you can't you're not going to get blacktop from uh, from the plant. I don't know how many plants we have in Broome County. If it's just one or two, do you know? No, I don't. I know okay. of one. Yeah, I know of only one as well. But but there might be. Might be one or two others, but anyway, I'm under the impression they they usually shut them down. I think around December first, and and so basically, as they say, the clock is ticking. A lot a lot needs to be done in the next sixty days, and if for whatever reason if things didn't go according to their initial schedules earlier in the summer, then they they're basically in a situation. Oh my gosh, if we don't get it done. Uh, we're, we're in big trouble because this project really can't wait till spring to be finished. So, yeah, I, I suppose that happens, but I don't know. I don't know if, if it's, if you can attribute it to any one thing that they've just been hanging out and slacking off, you know, since last March or April, whenever, whenever the actual construction season starts i i've seen a lot of activity around here actually for the last several months and i don't see actually i I don't think i've seen many projects idle uh for extended periods remember in binghamton when they it took i think more than two full construction seasons to redo front street or what we saw a few years back riverside drive the reconstruction uh, of Riverside Drive between Front Street and the Johnson City Line, that took more than two construction seasons. I mean, both those projects were pretty ambitious. They were not just repaving, but also involved uh, infrastructure work. 
but I remember uh, doing stories, especially Front Street, with the businesses being affected because they they would say, well, there's nothing apparently much going on, and yet people can't get to our business. So, although it also, well, speaking though of of delays that people experience the, the work that was done here um, downtown on State Street between Henry and um, well that that block about a block from here um, for the art district that seemed to take a long time for some reason but you know well, you know this Bob Bob, you know, if you notice, I mean, speaking of uh, the, the time it takes to do a lot of projects, if you notice, Bob, sometimes you'll go by a site and, and observe. You'll see one guy down in the hole digging or working, and there's like four or five surrounding the hole with coffee in their hands, yakking away and laughing. Well, I know. <laughs> I know people People see that, and I, I, I hear that frequently. And, hey, I don't, I don't comment on... On the logistics or the staffing, uh, and and look, I mean, sometimes if you show up at a particular point, and this could be for a road reconstruction job, or I, I just went by what I think is a big water line repair job here in Binghamton. Yeah, you know, sometimes it might appear that there are one or two people doing actual work, and five or six hanging around, you know, talking. Talking about how great the uh, Giants are this season, um, but 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 again, it if if you go at a different time, sometimes you can see a lot of people all working. So I don't know. You know, I'm not. I'm. I don't monitor most projects consistently, and I I know sometimes. Well, for example, and here's a here's a an unfortunate example, but. It was in the news, I mean, when the city was having Clinton Street reconstructed. And that was a two-season project, I believe, a two-part project. Um, remember, last April, on Friday, it was Good Friday, and even on Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock, there were, I think, were a lot of people working, and that's when, unfortunately, one of the, one of the people working on the job was seriously injured and there were a lot of people when i went there after um after the in- injury occurred to cover the <coughs> excuse me cover the the story uh i was surprised at going into what for many people was a holiday weekend there were a lot of people on site and a lot of people in another area uh closer to clinton street who were busy working on on glenwood avenue so I don't know. I know, I know what you're saying. What sometimes what appearances are, but Bob, the late the late season push to get this in. I mean, could it have anything to do with? Uh, it seems to coincide with. It. Could they be using the funding uh, from uh, uh, school tax money being no. in right now? No, it mm-hmm. wouldn't work, huh? No, no, no that's okay. that that is coincidental. Oh, okay. Just yep. a thought. Yeah, no, that, right, I mean, that's my opinion. If, if somebody, mm-hmm. if somebody from, from a municipality wants to uh, chime in and say, oh yeah, that's exactly what we do. We wait for the, for the revenue that we get from taxpayers and then, then we decide we're going to start paying the workers. Now, I mean, these projects are, are in the budget far ahead of time. So they're not, 
you're not waiting for uh, an influx of revenue. They start, they start, they close their eyes and they, they start seeing snowflakes, Bob. Then well, they seem to hurry up here. Well, you got to though, but that's, but that's, I mean, not just for road work or infrastructure work. That's that's the story for all work. That true. You know, you, ha- for example, say if I'm going to do a newscast, just pick a random time, a newscast at one thirty this afternoon, and it's going to be live. I mean, a lot of times the headlines in the afternoon, they're 60-second headlines, and a lot of them are recorded ahead of time. But say if it's going to be a one thirty live newscast, I know that's my deadline. If I'm going to do a breaking story, the sounder will sound, and then at one thirty oh five, either I'm here or we miss it. And so that's a deadline. That, that's what you call a hard deadline. So as far as um, – and, and that's true, though, for every human endeavor. You know, I know some people who are just – they run their lives always behind. And, you know, if you want them to show up at some place at noon, you tell them, say you're having a party – or a picnic or something that starts at noon, you're inviting everybody else. You tell them, okay, the picnic will start at noon up at Round Top, be there. But you tell this other person, okay, the picnic starts at 10.30, so be there. And that way it gives them a 90-minute cushion, and there's a chance they might actually get there about at the right time. So, eh. Gotcha. Anyway, Uh uh, we'll see if if anybody in the uh, construction industry wants to uh, comment or respond I, I would be interested in hearing what they have to say. 607-772-1290. This is Bob Joseph, live on a Wednesday morning. WNBF. WNBF.com. Forty-six at your quiet islands. More Montavani, less raspberries. <laughs> quiet island. Oh, come on, man! What else is going on here? Do 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 do. do. Did enjoy the conversation with Scott Sassina. It is kind of amazing to me. It took so long for us to actually arrange to have Scott here in the studio. So it was great. Wonderful. Oh, this is an oversight. I guess we touched on it. But again, cannot say enough uh, in terms of thanks to the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, uh, David Sabatka, the owner, and then everybody. In the organization. Everybody in the organization. uh, Players and uh, people who work the concessions. One thing I know, and I don't know the full extent of it, but one thing I can certainly say is no aspect of 
minor league baseball is particularly easy. It's always challenging. Everything these days, I think, is challenging. But I really, really do appreciate now looking back and, and having, a, I think, a, a better understanding, not a full understanding, but a better understanding of what folks uh, go through. Also, um, the broadcasters, I enjoyed listening to uh, Jacob and Matt last night here on WNBF. And, and interestingly, toward the end of last night's game, where um, Rumble Ponies lost to the Erie Seawolves, in the final innings, I, I was listening actually to coverage from both sides. So from the Rumble Pony side here in Binghamton and WNBF. So we were listening on uh, the left side, <laughs> my left ear to Jacob and Matt, and then uh, listening to the coverage out of Erie uh, with my right ear. And it was fascinating. I mean, the, the two uh, feeds were not perfectly aligned, but they were close enough. And it's interesting to compare and contrast. Uh, the Erie coverage, actually, um, even though they were victorious and the Seawolves became the Eastern League champions last night, their coverage wrapped up, I would say, at least several minutes before the coverage here on WNBF. I, I might have guessed that their post-game show would have gone on even longer. I mean, it was adequate, but I uh, I noted that uh, with the final broadcast of the season for the Rumble Ponies, that uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob and Matt did uh, some extended coverage and, and some of the thoughts that Jacob Wilkins shared, too, about minor league baseball. Uh, during last night's broadcast uh, also got me thinking more about about the whole enterprise. So he presented some things that I haven't considered a lot so that and it, it really is it's special and it's special for every team that's part of the league. So yeah, teams compete. everybody at the start of a new season wants to be the champion. There can only be one team, ultimately, that becomes an Eastern League champion. And this year, it's Erie. But look, look at the entertainment that we had since last April at Morabito Stadium, you know, at our ballpark. So much entertainment, so much fun. And don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Support, support local enterprises. And if you're like me, you're probably looking forward to April 5th of 2024. That's when the Rumble Ponies are scheduled to host the Fisher Cats. They'll open next season at home here in Binghamton. It's 1051. Good morning from WNBF. Passing by 
WNBF. Songs get better and better. It's 10.54. See, the uh, kids over at Netflix are going to shut down their DVD service. They are going to mail out their last DVDs on Friday. So if you put in an order for DVDs from Netflix, gosh, gosh, I hope you get them before they shut down their DVD distribution unit. I'm looking at the story today in the New York Times and I admit I admit, I hadn't thought about uh, Netflix DVDs in quite a while. Shipping the last red envelope. In a nondescript office park minutes from Disneyland sits a nondescript warehouse inside this nameless, faceless building. An era is ending. The Netflix DVD distribution plant, once a bustling ecosystem that processed 1.2 million DVDs a week... They employed 50 people and generated millions of dollars in revenue. Now they're down to just six lonely workers sifting through all their metallic discs. And even that will cease on Friday when Netflix shuts the door on its origin story and stops mailing out its trademark red envelopes. The guy who's the general manager of the DVD division at Netflix says it's sad when you get to the end because it's been a big part of all of our lives for so long, but everything runs its cycle. And he said we had a great 25-year run. That's true. That's true. They did have a pretty good run. So there's a picture of Eric Melendez and An Tran at the Netflix distribution plant in Anaheim. And uh, I would think it's safe to say in, in recent months, the place hasn't been really bustling. And they've got more pictures on the inside. Yeah, I remember waiting for... Waiting for the postal carrier to bring my movie. Or movies. <laughs> little did we know, little did we know, that that would no longer be a necessary service. So, so long... To the Netflix DVDs. Eh, next hour, let me know if you still are getting any Netflix DVDs by mail and what you're going to do when they stop mailing at the end of this week. Bob Joseph live on a Wednesday morning on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a Town Square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly sunny today, high near 68. 
Mostly clear tonight, low around 44. Thursday, mostly sunny, high near 68. On Tuesday, New York State Police at Endwell responded to a crash involving a pedestrian and a vehicle at the intersection of Country Club Road and Hooper Road in the town of Union. A 70-year-old female was crossing the road when she was struck by Jeep Grand Cherokee. The pedestrian was transported by ambulance to Wilson Hospital in critical condition. The operator of the SUV is a 76-year-old female. The Troop C Collision Reconstruction Unit responded to the scene to assist with the investigation, which is ongoing. Construction crews are putting the finishing touches on a project designed to address some traffic issues that occur at the main entrance to the Wegman store in Johnson City. An additional left turn lane is a key part of the upgrade work at Harriel Drive, just west of the two, Route 201 Reynolds Road intersection. Mayor Martin Meany said last April that the single left turn lane into Wegmans backs up during peak traffic periods, resulting in gridlock near the intersection just north of the Route 17 exit. The mayor told WNBF News the goal would be to reduce problems caused by congestion as people head to Wegmans and to the Oakdale Commons. Traffic volume has increased on Harriel Drive in recent weeks with the opening of Dick's Sporting Goods House of Sport along with Chipotle Mexican Grill and Panera Bread restaurants at the regional shopping center. On September 20th, members of the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force executed a search warrant at 58 Evans Street, second floor in the city of Binghamton. As a result of the search warrant, investigators located a 22 WMR Caltech brand handgun and ammunition. Zeta Rickman was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be processed on one count of criminal possession of a weapon second degree and two counts of criminal possession of a weapon third degree. Delaware County Acting District Attorney Sean Smith announced that Courtney Baker of Sydney appeared at Delaware County Court on September 25th and was sentenced for aggravated vehicular assault. Baker appeared before the Delaware County Court judge for sentencing. The defendant had previously pleaded guilty to aggravated vehicular assault, a Class C felony, and aggravated driving while intoxicated. Those charges arose from her crash in February of this year in the village of Sydney, where she nearly killed a pedestrian walking home from school. Baker was sentenced to a term of state prison, having a minimum of four years and a maximum of 12 years for her conviction of aggravated vehicular assault. The judge also sentenced the defendant to serve concurrent one-year sentence for her conviction of aggravated DWI. The operators of two downtown Binghamton businesses have announced plans to open a new restaurant in a building that was once home to a department store. Philip and Elise Willerton operate a bar called 205 Dry in an art studio called Uncourt Creations on State Street. The next project for the husband and wife duo will be establishing another restaurant. It will be known as Piotr Roja, which means Red Door in Spanish. The eatery will be located in the basement of the eight-story building at the corner of Court and State Streets. The building owners of the lease for the planned restaurant was finalized several weeks ago. Plans for the new restaurant were announced in a news release distributed yesterday by Binghamton's mayor office. 
According to the brief statement, the restaurant interior design will showcase luxury surroundings with comfortable table and bar seating, cozy private spaces with extraordinary attention to detail. In Broome County Court, after a four-day trial, a Broome County jury found Justin Knapp of Lyle guilty of felony criminal possession of a firearm and tampering with physical evidence. On January 14th of this year, Knapp did possess an illegal 22 caliber pistol. New York State Police investigating an incident in the town of Lyle attempted to stop a vehicle in which Knapp was a passenger in Newark Valley. The vehicle did not stop, and after a pursuit, the car crashed in the area of Whiting Hill and Kilowog Hill Roads in Lyle. When the vehicle came to a stop, Knapp was observed tossing something out the window. With the help of a canine, troopers recovered the pistol later that day. Knapp, who has a lengthy criminal history, including felony convictions for robbery in the third degree, grand larceny in the fourth degree, and attempting criminal possession of a controlled substance third degree, faces two to four years and up to 15 years to life in New York State Prison. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph Live, WNBF. It's the time of the season When love runs high In this time, give it to me easy And let me try with pleasure hands To take you in this time to promise lands To show you Wednesday morning, and we are on till noon. We'll be taking your phone calls shortly at 607-772-1290. So if you have things that ought to be shared with America and the world, you may call in. We're all ears at WNBF. Joined now by Joanne Hanrahan of the Friends of the Broome County Public Library. Time for another book sale. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? Oh, great. Did you hear that they're uh, going to expand the the library on Court Street? They're going to add two stories. (laughs) You know what? You keep saying that, and someone's going to go, how can I donate and help that happen? (laughs) (laughs) And here, I'm just doing it for a comedic effect. I'm auditioning for The Tonight Show, because I heard Jay Leno is going to retire. Well, you know what? That's how this happens. Somebody starts a rumor before you know it picked up and someone goes how much money do you need joanne oh yeah well and who knows (laughs) you may get a call sometime this afternoon from the bob joseph foundation they say you know we were thinking we were driving past the library on court street and we were thinking it would look nice with a two or three story edition which would you like and you would say well, would I be asking for too much for a four story edition they say oh no we have we have a blank check here. Let's see. Four stories. Would $57 million be enough? Yep. And you would say yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, I would. Uh, it's amazing because 
most of you all know that our library uh, started on Exchange Street and opened up in 1903, moved here to Court Street in 2020. Um, it's the first public library in the city of Binghamton that welcomed everybody into the library doors. And today, it is not just a library. It is our, we've built it into a community center, which, you know, they've been trying to build a community center in the city of Bampton. Well, you know what? You got it right here. So yeah, finally expand, happened. Expand our library. Yep. Make it into a bigger community center. And yeah. it's also becoming a social club. People come here, they grab a table, pull out their pitch cards, euchre, bring their coffee in. They sit, they're playing cards. We are warm in the wintertime, cool in the summertime. It's a beautiful building, and we are going to make it even better going forward. So, yes, I would be all for putting on two, three, four more floors. So anybody out there who has grant money or you got a lot of money you want to invest in your community, come talk to Josias and I at the library. Absolutely. Well, I I won't list names, but we have several people who do, believe it or not, have access to that kind of money. And uh, without telling tales out of school, they wouldn't miss that if, if they donated uh, at, at least a few or even several million dollars. And that would be a, an interesting community gesture, too. And if they wanted to remain anonymous, that you would agree to that, too. You would not, would. not stipulate that, oh, well, no. just because you're donating money for a library expansion that your name has to be out there and right. bandied about by the media. Yep. Or if you want to pay for the whole new floor, we'll name the floor. Sure. And the Bob Joseph floor. There you go. The 13th floor. <laughs> Absolutely. The lucky floor. Anyway, tell us about uh, the uh, the book sale that will begin tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, we open our doors at 9.15 until 2.15, and it is for the members of the Friends. If you aren't a member, $10 for seniors, $15 if you're an individual, $25 for a family. Just come on in and say you want to walk around, you're not a member, but you're thinking about it. Um, our membership helps us get grants. When we go for grants, we tell them about our board. We tell them how many members we have. We have a volunteer staff of 70 people. That's what has helped us um, gain over $160,000 in just the last three years in grants. All that money goes right into the library. So I want to thank everyone who's already a member and um, thank anybody who is thinking of becoming a member. Um, we're the friends, meaning we're all friends. We have a great time. We laugh and we joke. So then Friday, we are open to the public from 9.15 to 2, same hours. And we have two shelves of kids' books that go for 50 cents and 25. Old books. We have a bookshelf of arts, crafts, and hobbies, religion, history and politics, literature and poetry, social sciences, cookbooks hardcovers, paperbacks, humor, self-help, sports, two stories, biographies, um, the, the, cozy, the cozy mysteries that everybody loves. Um, and we have science fiction and fantasy plus DVDs, CDs. We sometimes have VCRs and we have puzzles. So 
I, I promise you there is a book in here that you are, are going to want. And the books on Thursday and Friday are a dollar for hardcover, 50 cents for paperback. Again, kids are 15, 25. On Saturday, bring your reusable grocery bag. Overfill it for $5. Take anything off the shelves you want. It doesn't matter whether it's a DVD or a CD or a book, whatever you want. $5 to fill that bag. We have people who come in and sometimes they're filling three bags, going home, happy as heck. And you know what? Winter is coming. So I want you to have plenty of books that if you're staying in town and you're going to be looking out the window while it's snowing, you'll be snuggling in. You got your coffee, your tea, or whatever you got on your drink side table while you read, and you'll have plenty of books to get you through the weather. Sounds like a plan. Our better book go into our bookshop, which is right off the rotunda. And I have to tell you, this week, we have been sorting Monday, Tuesday, and today, we've been swamped. We got probably 10 books that look like they're brand new. And a lot of them are in our bookshop. So think about Christmas shopping. If you have a list of all of your friends who love certain authors, these books are immaculate. Um, some of them are nonfiction, fiction, whatever. But our bookshop is open Mondays through Fridays from 12 to 4. Wednesdays, they are open on Wednesdays up until 7. During our book sales on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Diane's books are all half price in our bookshop. So this is your chance to come in and grab some great books. We are also, we have a table out front. We collect for chow during our book sales. And we average collecting money between 250 and 300 for chow during our book sales. And we've had 14 sales this year. So 14 sales making two to 300 for chow. Um, I know a lot of you know that a dollar will feed a family. And we are counting up how many families the friends are feeding by simply having two of our friends volunteers Plus candy um, comes from chow, sits at the table, and that is that is absolutely huge, collecting for chow. So everybody wins over here. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate your giving our listeners early notification about the sale that starts tomorrow. And any anything special that will be coming up over the next few weeks at the library? Any special events that you think people need to know about? Well, I want everyone to know that at the end of the sale, all these books go. We have a bookseller who comes and they take them. So when we have our sale in October, the only time you're going to see the same books are if people are just donating the same books. But come November, we have a very, very special sale. It is going to be our bag sale bonanza. And it's going to start Wednesday night from 4 to 7. It's the 15th. And then Thursday Friday and Saturday, it's all open to everyone. You are going to be able to start Wednesday night, Thursday from 9 to 2, Friday from 9 to 2, Saturday 9 to 12. Come in with your book bags. $5 to fill your reusable grocery bag. It's our thank you to all of our donators. Thank you to all of our patrons, our anyone in the city and Broome County building who supports the county and the city because the city of Binghamton helps us, the county helps us, 
So that is our big Thanksgiving bash. So Wednesday, November 15th, it starts at 4 o'clock. It's for the whole weekend. It's a $5 bag sale bonanza for November. Joanne Hanrahan with the Friends of the Broome County Public Library. Thank you for joining us. Hope you have a great day. Bob, thank you so much for your support and for getting me on your show. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. 1121, we're here serving the community. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Now is the time for all good people to use their device and punch in these 10 digits, 607-772-1290. That will connect you with the WNBF hotline. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. If you're... WNBF 1123, Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Good morning. You're on the air. Oh, I lost my kitty cat this this Monday. She tried to go upstairs and and she fell. Well, I think she had a heart attack. We've had her 12 years. What was her name? Princess Anne. Mm. I'm so sorry. Yeah, she was... Yeah. She was, she was a good kitty. She, she, she was, um, you know, she was a good, a good company for me, for me and the family, you know, so. But she's coming home on Friday. We're having her cremated. Well, that's, that's the, I think, toughest aspect of having, having pets is, yeah, well, we, we're not we, gonna have we're, we're not gonna have no more because I'm getting up in years and I I don't think I I'd be able to take care of her, you know, because you know they they have to have their shots and they have to have their you know their their food and stuff, you know, and of course we have to take care of their box and stuff, you know, and I think it'd be a little too much for me. Well. I am sorry for your loss, but of course you have great memories and she gave oh, you yes. so much, <laughs> so much love. Right. You know, you know what I don't understand, Bob, is this. I called this one place, right? They said that they couldn't cremate her because they, they have to belong to their club. Now, since when does a veterinarian have a club? Well, that's the first time I've heard of it, but well, Bob, it's ridiculous. And and I said, I said, since when did the did the veterinarians get aristocrats? She goes, "What's that?" And I told her, and she said, she hung up on me. But mm. you know, I mean, that's not fair. Well, yeah, at first blush, it doesn't seem fair. I I haven't heard of that, but. Maybe they have their reasons. I, I don't know. But the uh, bottom line is you did 
did find an appropriate place. Yeah, we did. We went to Shenango Valley. We we've had we've had our pets there before, you know. So, right. but they were very nice. And the money that was, you know, it was a hundred and seventy-seven dollars. And I, and I gave the rest to a donation, you know, to to help the other animals that were there. Well, that was kind of you. Well, Beverly, again, I'm sorry that you lost a beloved part of your family. And uh, thank you for sharing that with the WNBF family. We'll keep you in our thoughts today. Yeah, I missed you yesterday. Well, I'm glad to be here today. Yep. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, that's that's a tough thing. If you lose a, a cat or a dog or any other pet. It's tough, but that's and also stuff anytime that we deal with any loss. When we lose uh, a family member or a friend, that's one of the the things that is part of our experience, and we we work to get through it to cope. 1128 at WNBF on 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Matt in Binghamton, good morning. Hey, Bob. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is tough for uh, losing a pet. Um, I just had a cat that was basically thought was going to be on the way out, but it turns out it wasn't cancer. It doesn't look like it was an autoimmune thing and had her on steroids. I'm looking at her right now. She's eating well. She wasn't eating at all. And, uh, yeah, it's tough when you have, I've had, a, I had a horse for 33 years and, and, uh, I've had a, several dogs and I have one dog and one cat now, but it's, I think the joy they bring you is, it's, it's a tough time when you lose them, but the, the joy they bring you is, is unbelievable. <laughs> That's true. That is so true. But anyway, I called about, um, Earlier, they were discussing work ethic of our employees out on the roads and stuff. And all I see um, uh, when I, I I'm up pretty early, and when they come and collect garbage, these guys work hard. They do their job professionally. And I just always hearken back to when we had floods, those historic floods when I was mayor. And those guys moved mountains, literally mountains of debris and garbage. And they did it so effectively. And uh, I think we should celebrate those people who do um, the hard work and not, you know, not uh, diminish what they what they do for us, for our city and our and our, you know, whatever cities or towns or whatever. I agree. I uh, have occasion. Well, even today on my way in, I saw it was. I think a city crew, there might have been city supervisors, but there was a contractor out on a job, and clearly by the size of the very big hole, they have a, what I would suggest is a significant uh, water line or water main uh, repair project underway. And just from my observation, and saying just 10 or 15 seconds while I slowed down because one lane was closed, I saw a lot of people working. I didn't see anybody uh, standing around. It seemed like everybody had a job, and they were. And, and let's face it, at least today is not a bad day to be out there. But I've seen whether it's for water line 
repairs or other emergency operations. Sometimes they're out there in the pouring rain or the snow or the sleet or the wind or in the middle of the night. And that's um, yeah, I've never I've never thought, oh, that that looks that looks uh, a lot easier than doing a three hour talk show and a lot easier than going out and doing reporting around the area. So I'm going to see if I could apply to do one of those jobs. It's hard work. And as you say also, and I see this all the time, almost every day, the public works crews, uh, whether they're uh, collecting trash around all parts of our great city or doing other work, uh, public works, parks uh, and recreation department, all city departments, when I see them out, and I talk to a lot of them, and, and I respect them, and I think they, they understand how much I respect them because we have we have a lot of conversations about the work that needs to be done to keep this city going. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, a, it's not easy because it's hard to, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to um, keep employees these days, apparently. And so, you know, there's a lack of, uh, this summer we had a lack of uh, lifeguards and Right. So you know we gotta we gotta praise people who do hard work for not a, a huge amount of money. Well, and, and and also, and I, I I know some people might might say, well, it's not necessarily a thankless job. I'm sure I'm sure everybody doing these jobs understands just how important their work is. But I imagine on many days they don't. They don't hear from people saying, oh, thanks for fixing this road or thanks for filling the pothole or thanks for spending the last few hours fixing the water main or thanks for picking up my garbage every week on schedule. Right, but exactly. I, I do say thank you and I I appreciate it. Maybe I don't say it on the air enough, but I I certainly appreciate the work that's being done, not just in Binghamton, but all of the surrounding municipalities. They they deserve credit, a lot right. of credit. Absolutely. So thanks for letting me uh, comment, and I um, hope you have a good day. Thank you, sir. 1133 at WNBF. More calls are coming up. This is Wednesday. I am Bob Joseph. The station is WNBF. The frequencies are 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and the app is called the WNBF app. Still had the radio, thanks to Ford. But we didn't have the radio, thanks to Tesla. Andy and Vestal, you're on the air. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Hey, Bob. I wanted to uh, ask a question, or you're, you're, I assume you're aware of it because you seem very well read. Um, Governor Hochul. Uh, has, uh, I guess, a new law, uh, which, uh, which I, I have no problem with, uh, with, is to identify people's homes that have been flooded, whether they've been, um, um, if they're in a flood zone or they, or they have had past history 
Um, the point I want to make is, uh, obviously, I live in the town of Bethel, and we have been assessed three times in three years. Uh, how are homes in Bethel, for instance, who have been flooded um, back maybe 2006, maybe 2011, or both? Um, how are the value of those homes so valuable when you have a history that that is like a kiss of death? Um, you know what? You know what makes you know. Um, what makes them so valuable, um, especially since you could, you could, you know, if you don't state that, which uh, I know I'm sure people would, you know, obviously would not feel that they shouldn't, um, the part that the value of the price really in the, in the end result should probably go down um, based on that risk. I would think so. It makes sense. I and and I, 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 I'm looking yeah, up the the story. I see a few days ago, AP reported the governor signed a bill requiring people who sell their homes to disclose whether their properties have been flooded or are at risk for future flooding. And the law comes as more parts of the state are becoming increasingly vulnerable to flooding with climate change spurring on rising sea levels and, believe it or not, more intense storms. So, yes, this, although at first blush, some people would say, oh, well, that applies mainly, say, to uh, people on Long Island or people along uh, coastal sections of New York State. Well, yes, but it also applies to many people in, I would think, all of the state's 62 counties. There can be flooding in virtually any community under the right circumstances. And so that, that is going to affect many property owners. Which I, I'm sure you could probably um, probably invite some real estate agents that might that deal with a lot of real estate. Let's say you deal with real estate in Basel, for instance. Let's say uh, Twin Orchard or, you know, places where we know where there were some really heavy, heavy damages. Um where there are still houses today that are, are abandoned or in some cases or are might be for sale and where these people have, where people have to state um, the past history, you know, of, of the home itself and what, you know, and what has the town of Vestal done for prevention for future floods? That's a great question. It's a very important question. So maybe... Yeah. Maybe it will be something that'll be pursued on the program because, uh, right. to, be, to be fair, I, I missed, I missed the, uh, announcement that she had signed the legislation. So thank you for calling it to my attention. You're welcome. I hope you, I hope you bring more attention to it before November 7th. Yeah. Hopefully before the next flood. All right. Hey, thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Thank you. 1140 at WNBF. Warren. In Sydney, you're on the air. Hi, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. I heard something interesting this morning on WABC Radio out of New York. And the mayor, uh, Adams, was on there doing a speech. And within the next 10 days, he is sending out to every municipality, village, uh, town, city, money instead of money to take illegal immigrants. Now, you know and I know that there's not a village, town, anybody, everybody needs money. We, 
we're spending more money than we're taking in tax money. Do you think, and I, I have a very good answer for, in my opinion, but do you think how many counties and how many villages upstate will, will grab on that extra money? Oh, I don't know. I'm looking at a story now in the Daily News. Actually, they posted it on their website on Tuesday afternoon. People who receive rental vouchers from New York City will now be able to use those benefits throughout the state. And that, I guess, I assume that means in Broome and Tioga yeah, and Delaware and Shenango counties. Uh, yep, it's, they say it's an unprecedented policy that Mayor Adams has just unveiled. Traditionally, the right. vouchers were only available to help pay for rent in the five boroughs, but now looks like they could use these vouchers in Binghamton and Endwell and Sydney and Owego. Absolutely, yes. And that's what, that was part of the interview that I heard this morning on WABC. Because, they, you know, they wanted to be a sanctuary city. We did not want that upstate. So we shouldn't be forced, in my opinion, and I know money is a great incentive, um, but you, you accept that money, you're also accepting, so to speak, the devil, because there's consequences that come along with that. Uh, your services, uh, hospitals, police, um uh, you're schooling, you're, you're, you're going to be accepting more kids in that, that, that are non-English speaking. So therefore, it's also harder on the regular students, but it's going to be harder on them. The schools are going to have to hire, hire more teachers that are Spanish uh, or whatever language they come from. I, I see that, that in my opinion, the, that, that incentive money that they're offering far, far, is going to outdo the money that, that Mayor Adams is doing. He's just trying to put his problems on upstate New York. Well, I wonder what Jason Garner would think about that. He's the Broome County Executive. I, I would think uh, Broome County Executive Jason Garner and the Tauga County Legislative Chairman, Marty Sauerbrey, I would think they would take a rather dim view about the plan that uh, has been hatched by Eric Adams. Now, Delaware County doesn't have an executive. They still have a board of supervisors. Um, and, and I contacted the, 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 the town of Sydney um, supervisor, and uh, as soon as I brought up you know, that topic to him, the, you know, from his... Uh, uh, you know, because he has a business right in town. He's, he's, you know, he doesn't have, you know, he has, he has his own little appliance business. He he told me, he said, no comment and hung the phone up on to me. Uh, well, probably as soon as he hung up the phone, he probably made some calls to get more information if it was news to him. Because I can't imagine most, and I'm not saying all, but most yeah. uh, leaders in upstate counties would would look forward to this. There might be, say, maybe in Buffalo or Albany, maybe Syracuse or Rochester, maybe those officials would would be more amenable to it. I, I don't see where officials in Binghamton or Owego or Norwich or 
you know, you, as you, you say, uh, in Delaware County, I don't, I don't see why why they would be happy about it. Oh, I, I but but I'm going to tell you something though. You know, you know, money. You know, you know how money changes. Oh, I know. I, I've said more than one time on this program: money talks, no one walks. I mean, you're right. Virtually, I mean, look at the state's cannabis decision. I'm not talking about it from a moral or even health standpoint. The only reason the state approved legal cannabis was because of the money. Tax money, exactly. That's yeah. it. That's it. But you wait and see, Bob. In ten, fifteen years. When you got when you got three quarters of your your society as zombies, um, you see the effect then. And there again, it was money. Yeah. Well, I don't want to. Here's the one thing. And and have you ever been in downtown Binghamton? Oh, of course, many a time. I used to I used to play for the Jets. Oh, okay, the TC Jets. Yes. Yeah. Down here where the. Now they put up a hotel, but there used to be a football field right. there. I played it there, and I also played it at, when they played at North High, and then they played some games at UE, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, those were some good times, by the way. Oh, they sure were. They sure were. And well, I'm going to tell you something, Bob. Like a fool, when they folded the team, they told everybody they had to turn all their you know equipment and all that stuff in, otherwise they were going to get billed for it and all like that. I went ahead and did it. And, 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 you know, and, and I'm going to tell you, I know a lot of the guys that never did, nothing ever happened to them. And they still got their helmets, their, their old jerseys, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I, I was a fool when I did that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would be nice to have today. Nice, nice, uh, mementos of a, I'll call it a different age, different point in time. I, I, wa- I often wondered, often wondered, whatever happened to Ray, Ray Stanton Senior. You know, if he's still around with his dynamite book. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned. I'm gonna. That's a good question. I'm gonna see. I, I don't. Be- I am not sure. I I don't believe he's still around. But I'm gonna during uh, our break. I'm gonna try to do a quick check to see if uh, I might be able to answer that question. So stay tuned. Do they even do dynamite books anymore? Uh, I don't think they do. You know, the, the business evolved, and I know they they uh, transitioned yeah, Ray, a lot. You Ray, know, Ray it's junior for a while. Yeah, yeah. So that was a it was a, a huge thing for for yeah. a few decades. I, I mean, to me, when when those things were all the rage, I always thought, gee, I wish I had thought of the idea because it's not exactly yeah. rocket science, but fact that however and i don't even know the the story the story behind the story of um of that program that initiative but just the fact a he came up with the idea a simple idea on its face of providing discounts at some of the best restaurants and some other businesses in the area and then would market it on an annual basis and with the uh, marketing plan um Typically, helping to raise funds for for uh, organizations, I I thought yep. it was uh, I thought it was great, excellent. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I can find out um, to help address at least one part of that. And I, I thank you. If you find out anything about what Broome County, the Southern Tiers, uh, what they're leaning towards, whether they're going to accept the devil's money or 
or whether they're going to uh, continue and steadfast and say, no, we don't want them. And I hope they say, no, we don't want them. But I'm so afraid that, you know, the old dollar, because everybody's hurting for money. You I know. know. That, Bob. I was going to say, we need the money. I And... And when I say but, we, but, I, I don't. But, I don't mean me personally. I mean I would like right. more money, but but we, Binghamton, Johnson City. I mean all our municipalities and all our businesses. I mean every. Well, that's what every I think. Yeah. There's not a municipality that doesn't. Yep. There's not. But, yeah, we're in a we're in a difficult position right now. So I I could see where where a lot of people would, as you know, effectively say, bite the bullet and yeah. We'll take the cash. Appreciate your call. Thank you, sir. It's 1149. Interesting topics today. Plenty of interesting topics. I think this is, I think it's the best program that we've done in a long time. But then again, I'm biased. Bob Joseph on a Wednesday morning, WNBF. Hey, everyone. WNBF 11:52 with Bob Joseph on a Wednesday morning. Not uh, not clear on the um, story about Ray Stanton, now the uh, founder of Dynamate. I do see in October of last year, Jim Emke did a feature on Save Around. Because it was the business of the week that week. And the um, story by Mr. Emke noted that Save Around traces its roots, its origins back to 1975 when founder Ray Stanton II started Dynamate featuring discounts at 8 to 10 local residents. It became Save Around in 2002 and then uh, moved into the first ward. Uh, Stanton said, with inflation soaring, discounts were more important than ever. So that was the uh, story from October of last year. But as as for me, I, I've had no contact with Mr. Stanton uh, in a long time. Another uh, story online at my town a great place to live.com. They had a spotlight on Ray Stanton. It said his early years were known for his accomplishments in sports. He started playing football in the ninth grade, loved the team aspect of working with three dozen other players. So he played football at North High. Then he played at Augusta Military Prep in Virginia. Uh, he went from sports to teaching. And as a math teacher and principal for 27 years, he had a lot of contacts with school districts. And he said, I got the idea of putting a coupon book together for fundraising. I found it easy to interest school groups with my products. The ability to deal with local merchants came from my semi-pro experience of selling advertising to support the TC Jets. And the TC Jets drew a lot of people back in the day. So um, Save Around Funding Business actually began 1975 as Dynamate. 
expanded over the years from one city, from Binghamton to 175 cities around the USA. So there's a little more background. And thank you, Warren, from Sydney for some of the memories about, of course, the TC Jets and Dynamate. Some interesting things were going on around here about 50 years ago. Of course, there are a lot of interesting things still going on around here, and we will talk about them tomorrow on our Thursday program. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. At News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media.